In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, both now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages, Amen. So I was thinking, what would be a relevant topic to speak about um, with you all? Um, and I figured there's never a better approach, in my humble opinion, than just being real. Um, so let's be honest. We live in a post-Christian society, right? Most people's attitude towards Christianity, towards evangelism, if you walked around, okay, um, the busiest area of your campus, if you walked around the busiest area of Mississauga, what would that be, like Square One or something, okay, or, or Dundas Square downtown, or wherever, and handed out um, flyers to people that say Jesus loves you, or whatever, what would most people's attitude towards you be? Yeah, thanks, like, yeah, sure, whatever, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, right? And that's basically what we call a post-Christian society, right? So a society that, like, their attitude towards Christianity is thanks, like, thanks, but no thanks, you know? Thanks, we've been there, been there, done that, you know? Um, yeah, like, my grandparents did that, my parents were, like, you know, they kind of smartened up, and now we're, like, even more enlightened than they are, Right? Um, and so, how how do you do um, how do you do evangelism in a post-Christian society, in a society which thinks they've already they already know and have already heard anything that you ha that you have to offer? And in a certain sense, um, be it be it here in the city or um, amongst your colleagues or or friends at school or, or at work or in Aeroland, it's, it's a bit of that. Like if you think about Aeroland as a particular example or any, or any First Nations reserve, I mean, maybe some of you are already familiar and I'm sure you guys have talked a little bit about Aeroland. Um, so if I'm not mistaken, um, a significant part of the reserve uh, is or was Roman Catholic at some point, right? Um, and even when in our conversations with them in recent years, they were, were really happy for um, uh, a Roman Catholic priest to return or or any priest, really. Um, uh, and they really like us um, and, uh, you know, kind of got into a little bit of the differences between Catholicism and Orthodoxy, but we didn't go into too much of that um, but then that people who are kind of like more of that kind of post-christian society that we're talking about but regardless you're not going to meet people who have never heard of Jesus before I think in all of the missions I've been in I've I entered one village once in my life where they had never heard of Jesus at all Abuna not at all sorry sorry for what abuna for giving me the blessing <laughs> pray for me abuna. right i i think you know and i don't know eight mission trips i've been on or something or more i don't know i think uh, once in my life i went to a village where they never heard of jesus before ever it was so exciting it was so exciting to tell people for the first time ever. But I think those experiences are going to get less and less uh, in my life, not more and more. So, you know, if it's going to get, if I have one and they're going to get less, then, <laughs> then, you know, right? 
So we're talking about evangelism in a post-Christian society. Now, there's a verse in the Bible which is so true. It's so, so, so true. And I don't think that this verse is limited to a specific period in time. This verse was only for like pre-spread of Christianity evangelism. This verse was only for... In fact, actually, it comes up in the Old Testament. It comes up three times in the Bible. Once quoted by St. Paul in Romans, and the other two times in the Old Testament. Open your Bibles, if you have a, a, a Bible with you, open to Isaiah 52. This is going to be like our central um, scripture that we're going to use for tonight. May God give us his blessing. May God open our hearts and, and touch us with his truth um, through these words. Open Isaiah 52, verse 7. <coughs> It says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings the good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. If you look in Nahum 1.15, you'll find also it's saying, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. And also if you look in Romans 15, you'll find St. Paul saying the same thing. He quotes from Joel saying, those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he says, but how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how they will they believe without a preacher? And how will, they, uh, how will there be a preacher if he is not sent? Indeed, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. A big question, which is not the question I'm going to answer tonight, but a question each one of us needs to ask ourselves is what is the gospel? What is the good news? And maybe that's what I should have focused on tonight, but that's not what I, uh, what I prepared. That's another talk I have prepared, uh, maybe for another time. But ask yourself, if somebody told you, I'm all ears, Okay, you've got my undivided attention and I'm willing to listen to anything you have to say. What is this gospel? What is this good news thing you guys are talking about? What would you say? What would you tell somebody the good news is? Supposing you know the, an, an answer to that question and supposing that you think it's good, it's that good. I wanna ask you a question, right? How many of you here work? or even like a summer job or anything, right? Okay, you work? Okay, how many, uh, huh? Yeah? He was looking for a job. We were yeah, hoping. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? So if you work and you pay taxes, right? Then you get this, you get this thing around May, this letter from the CRA, it's called a tax return, right? And when you open the mailbox and you get this letter and it's from the CRA, what is going through your mind? You know, what am I going to spend this on? Right. What's going through your mind? Good news. 
You know, you're not thinking like I underpaid my taxes and they're going to tell me that I owe them $3,000, right? That's what happened to me two years ago, right? They're going <laughs> to, they're going to, you're thinking, you're thinking like, hey, money, right? Nobody gets upset. Nobody gets upset at that, right? I have a two and a half year old, right? And if you want to make her smile, you just need to say one word, present, right? If you want to get her to do anything, you know, pick up her toys after, just say the, the magic word, present. Smile goes from here to here. That's good news to her. That's good news, right? There was a time she's not so much into it now where if you said ice cream, you know, beaming with joy, right? Good news. What is good news to you? Now, again, forget about what the good news is. That's a very relevant thing to talk about, but that's not what we're talking about today. I want to ask you a question. Suppose the CRA called you and said, we just wanted to check that your address is correct because we've printed out your tax return, right? And it's for uh, this much money, right? Three and a half thousand dollars. Um, but we just wanted to make sure your address was correct. Okay. And we're going to, you know, FedEx it to you because we're sorry it's late. And you tell them, yes, that my address is correct. And as you're hanging, you hang up the phone, you know, whatever you go, you, you, you go do your thing, you're coming home. And who do you see driving up the road? The FedEx guy, right? What's going through your mind, right? You, what's going through your mind is how beautiful are the feet of the guy that's written my tax return, right? That's what you're thinking, right? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel of peace? I want to ask you a question. What honor, what privilege is it that God has given us to be the bearers of the good news? What honor, what privilege that you get to be the FedEx guy, girl, whatever, gender neutral, right? Like, it's not like, I didn't, I didn't invent the good news. It's not due to me. I'm just the delivery person. But man, I'm the delivery person. My past life um, as a doctor, and a surgeon who dealt with a lot of cancer, I had to tell a lot of people that they have ca cancer, right? There's a whole, there's a, there's a whole science in the psychology world of how to break bad news to people, right? It stinks, right? Giving good news is great. What an honor, what a privilege. God has opened a door for us <coughs> to start serving um, somewhere else, about three and a half hours from, uh, from here. A priest from another church in Toronto asked me if I could, uh, you know, get some of our servants and go and serve with them. Um, so I said, sure, no problem. You know, I'll ask around and, and that. And then he started telling me, he started telling me how joyful it is to go out to serve. It's completely different from staying in and serving. Staying in and serving is great. I'm not like, I'm not putting it down. The pastoral service or serving inside the, the confines, the boundaries of the church. But ask Abuna. Abuna and I have had multiple conversations about the joy of going out. Jesus tells us, go 
preach the gospel to every creature. The, the, the Great Commission, Jesus' final commandment is to go. And the reason is because he loves us. Never think that the commandments of Jesus are for Jesus. Like, if I'm sitting and watching TV and I'm kind of lazy and Mary's in the kitchen, I'll tell her, can you bring me a glass of water? Like, Mary benefits nothing from that. Like, I benefit from that, right? God is not like me. God is not like you or like me. God is completely different. When He asks us to do something, it's almost exclusively for our benefit. When He says... In, 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 in Matthew, Gospel of Matthew, the last, last couple of verses, and when he says in, in the Gospel of Mark, last couple of verses, go and preach the Gospel, right? Go, make disciples, go, teach, preach, baptize. It's, it's for us. It's because it's so joyful. It's so joyful to be the FedEx guy who's bringing the good news to other people. It's such a nice thing. It's such a lovely thing. That's what God is calling you and calling me to do. Okay, without looking at your Bible, where does Isaiah, Isaiah 52 fit in the story of things? Well, what comes before and after? I don't know what comes before, Isaiah 51, obviously. But what comes after? Not, it's not a trick question. Isaiah 53. What's Isaiah 53 about? Anybody? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, anybody? Okay, open your Bible. Look at, peruse Isaiah 53 and, and tell me what Isaiah 53 is about. You won't need to read the whole chapter. You'll just... Read any random three or four verses in a row, you'll know exactly what it's all about. Hmm? Yes. What did you say? Crucifixion? Yes. Yes, exactly. Promises about salvation. We oftentimes say that Isaiah 53 is the prophecy of the suffering servant. And you can pick out a couple of verses for us, just because they're so beautiful. Pick out any couple of verses for us that talk about Jesus' suffering. Just read them out to us. I know it sounds, this sounds horrific and that it, this happened to Jesus. Like if this happened to your worst enemy, you would have pity and you'd feel bad. But that this happened to Jesus, I know it's, it's a horror. I know like we talk about terrorism, this is, the, this is the epitome of all terrorism. You know, this is, the most, this is the most horrific act in all of history. I agree, right? Now... That this was for me. That's good news. That's good news. How loved I am. Or the verse after, verse 4, who wants to read that? 
anybody. Andre, read for us out loud. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Good news. It's good news. It's good news. He has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. It's all good news. You find nothing nothing in, in Scripture is can be understood in a vacuum, like by itself. So it can't take Isaiah 52 verse 7, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings the... Uh, who brings glad tidings of good things, right? We can't just take that like in a vacuum. What's he talking about? Saying how, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, who bring good news to people. What's the good news? There's many answers to that, but this is good news. This is good news that God loved us so much that He gave His only begotten Son for us. How? Read Isaiah 53. Look at verse uh, Isaiah 52, verse 14. It says, Just as many were astonished at you, so His visage was marred more than any man, and His form more than the sons of men. Saying, what is he saying here? He's saying that his, 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 his face, his appearance was marred. What does marred mean? Disfigured. You know, distorted. Like, imagine, um, imagine like uh, somebody goes to, to, up to some priceless piece of art and takes like charcoal and just rubs charcoal all over it. I don't know, the Mona Lisa or I don't know, the Michelangelo's work in the Sistine Chapel. I don't know. Pick, pick whatever piece of priceless art, you know, and they distort it. They disfigure it. They, it would be such a horrible thing, right? In the Psalms, what, what does it say? It says, you are more beautiful than all the sons of men. But the English really doesn't do it justice. Um, how does it go in Arabic? Yeah, right. And what if you read, like, if you look at look up the Hebrew words, right? It it's something along the lines of "You are more awesomely beautiful." Like it has two superlatives in it. You're like the best of the best. So think about it. The most awesomely beautiful person ever was more disfigured than anybody ever. Like the highest of the high became the lowest of the low. For what? For me. For you. And of course, if the story ends there, then it's a tragedy, right? But then he rose from the dead. And he restored not only his image, but he restored our image. And he took all of my disfigurement and he restored it. Good news, great news. Right? But how to share this good news? Back to our initial question. 
how to share this good news in a post-Christian society. When Jesus wanted to share the good news, what did he do? Grab your Bibles again. Go to Luke 4, 18 and 19, or Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 3. Jesus is quoting in Luke from Isaiah. So you can read it in either spot. Isaiah 61, 1 to 3, or Luke 4, 18 and 19. Somebody read it for us? Or maybe I'll read so it comes out in the recording. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. It's the good tidings again, right? He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. What does Jesus say when he says, I have come to preach the gospel to the poor? He says to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord is the Jubilee year, the 50th year in which, in which anybody who was, had a debt it was forgiven, anybody who was a slave, his price of being a slave was paid, anybody a Hebrew, a Jew, um, in living in the land of Israel. Um, it was the year of freedom. Anyone who's been in, 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 in debt, in severe debt, knows that, that debt is slavery. Proverbs says it, that the debtor is the slave to the lender. It's real slavery. But it was the year where that debt was paid. So what's that? Freedom. Jesus doesn't say... Uh, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to, to do Bible studies, to uh, give lectures, uh, and teach Sunday school. There's nothing wrong with all of those things. But notice that Jesus' definition or his description of what it means to preach the gospel is all to do things for people. Actually, it sounds very much like Matthew 25, 35, right? I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I had a need and you reached out to me in a loving, compassionate way, relevant to my need, and you fulfilled my need. And if we live now in a society of people who no longer want to hear the gospel, that's not bad news. That's just the product of us 
not having done <laughs> what's written here in past generations and centuries, right? Like, people who don't want to listen is because they listened and they don't feel like it got them anywhere. But Jesus is telling us, you don't need to talk, you need to do. You need to love people. You need to be the gospel. They say like about about Bunapshoi Kamil, they say he was he was like a living gospel is a literal translation, or more he was like the gospel incarnate. Can I tell you this is not like a calling to for Abunapshoi Kamil only, but it's a calling for you and for me. <clears throat> think think in very simple, very, very simple, clear, basic theological terms. The Word of God, the Logos of God, became flesh. John 1. The Word, the spoken Word of the Father. How did God create everything? How did God, four words, completely changed everything. God said, let there be light. Imagine a world with no light. What would that be? I was going to say, what would that look like? But that actually doesn't make any sense because you wouldn't be able to look, right? What would that be? God spoke, God speaks, and everything changes. The other day I was thinking about a massive opportunity that was presented to us. And I felt like it was just impossible for us to even consider something like this. So I was kneeling and praying, and for just one moment, one millisecond, I genuinely felt, realized, whatever it was, that I was kneeling before the creator of heaven and earth. Like, with four words, he created light. Like this opportunity, which seems massive to me, and would be maybe something great for God and for his church, or maybe not, right? But it's certainly too big for me to, to deal with. It's like nothing for him. Like he can speak it into existence or speak it out of existence in a couple of words. So he speaks and things change. But this word that he speaks is not, it's not random words of the dictionary. It's the word of God, the second person of the Trinity. He is the creator. The word, though, went from being a word to he took flesh. His incarnation. And when he took flesh, what did he do? He sat with his disciples and he told them, Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. And he spoke to them. And when, when we, his disciples, hear what he says, and it changes and transforms us, and we do it, what happens? The word that he has spoken takes flesh again in you and in me. We become the incarnate gospel. We become that good news that is shared with the brokenhearted and with the... So God is calling you and he is calling me and he's blessed us with this post-Christian society that doesn't want to hear anymore because we weren't 
We're not supposed to be telling people about the gospel. We're supposed to be the gospel for them. We're supposed to be food to the hungry and be drink to the thirsty and be clothing to the naked. What does that mean? What does it mean, I was naked and you clothed me? What does it mean to be naked? It means to be ashamed. It means to have your dignity robbed from you, right? Like if I had magical powers and I was very sadistic and you were walking in some busy place and I magically made your clothes disappear, right? What would that be? It would be, sh- it would be shameful. You'd feel ashamed. You'd feel embarrassed. You'd feel, right? So what would it be if somebody went and covered that person who was naked? Be restoring to them their dignity, restoring to them their, 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 their um, humanity. That's what God is calling us to do. How different is that from listening to somebody who never gets listened to? It's the same thing. Imagine every time you turn to talk to somebody, uh, they, they turn away. And you say, oh, but sorry, I'm talking, and they and just put up their hand like this in your face. All the time. Suppose, right? It's shameful. Just to listen to somebody and take interest in what they're saying and ask them a, a question or two. You're clothing the naked in a certain sense. You're listening to the person who is not listened to. So it's easy. It's easy. Take open Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and take any promise from in there. Take any commandment there. You'll find plenty. And do it. You'll be, you will be the incarnate good news to all these people. And that's all God is calling us to do. So many people, when I tell them, come, let's go on this mission trip. And so they tell me, Abuna, you know, I'm not really good at talking stuff and all that and whatever. And The last thing God wants us to do, I think, in, this, in, in, in our time now is to talk. The thing He wants the most from us is to do. To do the gospel. I'll share one last story with you. We'll finish with this. I remember going to my father confession. It was in my mid-teens, and um, I had just discovered the num- the numbered lists function in Microsoft Word. Right. So, uh, so I decided that it would be much more efficient to type up my confession list and save it somewhere where no one would ever find it on my on our family computer, right? <laughs> and uh, every, every like, you know, three or four weeks, just go and review the list and add like more stuff to it because like, I'm sure I've done more than that's there and, and, uh, and so on, right? So I did that like, you know, two or three times in a row, but I think about by about the third time, I was up to like 82 sins, right? So I go to Abuna in confession, Abuna, may I confess? Yes, Habib, tfaddal. And then I start, pull out the list, I start reading it off. So Abuna looks at the list and then he looks at me and he looks at the list, he says, what, what, what is this? And so I explained to him that I figured, you know what, like given my track record of like well, 15 years or 16 years or however old I was, right? Like I doubt that I'm ever gonna sin less 
like I probably just sin a lot and I'm not aware of it. So I'm just going to keep adding to it. You know what I mean? And if there's something that I'm sure positive I didn't do, I won't say it. But otherwise, you know what I mean? I'll just keep everything there on the list and I'll just keep adding stuff to it. Right? When I looked at him, he's like, no, 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 no. He said, I don't, I don't, I don't, God doesn't need this list, your list of 82 sins. He told me, pick one thing and try your hardest to do it. One commandment. And try your hardest to do it. I said, okay, Abuna, uh, I want to be obedient. That's what, actually what I said. I said, okay, go and try your hardest to be obedient for three weeks and then come back and let me know how it went. And I said, okay, Abuna, what about the other 81 sins <laughs> and the others that I would have, could have creatively come up with and added to the... He said, no, 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 no. Don't worry about it. They, don't worry about them. I'm like, what do you mean, Abuna? Don't worry about them. Like, where, do, where are they going to go? You know, and if I'm going to focus on one at a time, I'm going to confess one every three weeks. Like, you know what I mean? I'm never going to, I'm not going to, in a lifetime, I'm not going to have enough time to confess everything. He said to me, no, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. If you keep one commandment, he told me, you will keep them all. If you keep one commandment perfectly, you will keep them all. But if you try to do 82 commandments in one go, you won't do anything. So just pick one. So I was on obedience for like eight or nine years and then Abuna went to heaven. <laughs> right? Abuna, I wasn't obedient. God absolve you. Uh, right? All Jesus wants us to do is to keep his commandments. If we do that, we, we will be the gospel to the whole world around us. Glory be to God forever and ever.